that's out there that at the end of their lives they're looking for God, but, but it comes a little bit too late because nobody really got to them. By the time they got to the point of reaching someone, well, they were just beginning to. And the enemy, we know the enemy comes in really fast and he's swift, so we have to be quicker and swifter at what we do. There's a story of a group of, of soldiers that remained, uh, I'm going to share here, that they remained in the ranks, ranks steadfastly standing at attention. Uh, these people were in pain. They ignored the pain, and for that reason, not only their legs but their arms also were of great discomfort. And, and a fly land, if a fly landed on their nose, you know, they, they wouldn't budge. They, they held their position. They resisted any urge to be able to move in any such way or form because they were disciplined and they were trained to hold for that particular day. Their superior had demanded that every everyone cease, and all, I'm sorry, everybody, everybody to iron every crease out of the uniform to be perfect. Every weapon needed to be glistened, and, the, and they would glisten the sun. And today the great general, Napoleon, would pass through their midst. The commanding officers hid their nervousness so they, it wasn't seen. It says they could have held their perspiration. If they could hold their perspiration, that beat it down their necks, they would have. But obviously that is uncontrollable. It's a natural effect of the body. Done nearly anything to please, they would have done anything to please him. He was the master in chief. They were looking for a promotion. Today was the day to stand out, but now in the wrong, not in the wrong way, by lining up properly and adhering to every military protocol, the officers hoped they could advance in rank. And one of their com comrades' regiments failed to test if any of them, of them failed, they, would, they could take that position from them. They were quick, and they were ambitious of taking hold. They hoped to be a warrior that was acceptable in the eyes of the general. And as the general walked in, and seeing he wasn't there yet, he was inspecting everybody, looking about, see what was going on. Obviously, he was looking at their uniforms. He was looking at their guns, or the weapons, I should say. I don't say guns, weapons. But he was also standing and seeing how they stood and how they, uh, how they uh, represented what he was looking for. They were quiet and they were disciplined. But then the unthinkable happens where sometimes things happen. The horse that he was riding became spooked, and it began to kick and it bucked, attempting to, to throw the general off. And all the officers are there standing at attention. Nobody's going to lose their place because if any move, anybody moves out of their place, now they are out of where they are supposed to originally be. But then seemingly out of nowhere, a soldier broke rank and came to the aid of his general. He seized the horse by the reins, calming the animal with great respect. He held out the reins to Napoleon. Napoleon took them from the low-ranking soldier and simply said, Thank you, Captain. Because the soldier saw the need and met it, he advanced when others remained still stuck to ritual and protocols. The story proves that timing is everything. The soldier might have taken many years to reach the rank of captain, or he might have never had achieved it. Timing made all the difference. The soldier's actions were not rash. They were born out of all the times the soldier had exercised patience through training. Discipline and the following orders, of course, as well. Like him, we must serve the Lord patiently and wait for the opportunity to serve at a higher level. We must patiently trust God's timing for our lives. Who We who are living for God, our training never stops. The title of this message is Wisdom Waits. 
As we wait for God's timing, we should continue to educate ourselves every day for our future. The faithful servant that follows in God's plan is able to discern a time of need because he or she has adhered to what he or she has been taught that is according to Scripture. You can never have too much time with God. If you get to that point to where you're having trouble, you know, reading Scripture and praying, I'm going to tell you, you have a problem. Because when we get to heaven, that's what we'll be doing. We'll be surrounded by God. We'll be surrounded by his, his order. So we want, and not in that order of, I, I shouldn't have said it that way, and I don't mean a, uh, God is a God of love, and he does want us to come to him in a uh, self-willed. He wants us to come to him, you know, within our own will. He does, he's not going to force us. So, so we want to become seasoned so that when a season arises, we can react as, a necess- as necessary because then we're not just talking about what we're, con- we're going to continue to. We're gonna, I'm sorry, we're not just talking about it. We're going to continue to live it. We're going to be about it. The word of God tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with all suffering and doctrine, that we should be ready to give an account of why. Now, I added this. We're doing what we're doing, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But it's scripture. But, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Because in Proverbs 11, verse 30, it says, tell us, it says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And so the teaching today is about wisdom. And I could stand here and talk to you about wisdom all day long. But the truth of the matter is that I think we all could stand up and say something about the wisdom of God. There's just so much. We, we understand that in Scripture, uh, the wisdom of God is, actually I should say our wisdom is measured as the foolishness of God. But the foolishness of God is not even foolishness. It's just the measurement that they're using. So God is wise. Praise the Lord. Okay, it is wise to teach others what is right and what is wrong in the eyes of God. God's word is built on a foundation of truth, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and that is what we should be preparing to teach that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the salvation. In, in line, and we've heard the word line upon line, precept upon precept. So if we prepare and we give an answer to the curious non-believer of that, then we, and we help them believe because we give them something that is of truth, then the scripture itself fulfills itself because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God God's wisdom tells us through Paul's letters in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So the pulling down of strongholds begins with God. Then it, begins with our, then, it's, then it goes on with our prayer. And then, of course, also we have to saturate ourselves in God's word. That's the only way to do it. We, we can't be aware of what our enemy is bringing against us if we don't know what our, uh, our weapons are to begin with. It begins with God. The Holy Ghost inside of us, and as we pray, we make his will our will according to his plan. That's the first part of empowerment. 
And again, the way we do that is we have a doctrine that we follow. We believe to be baptized in Jesus' name and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And in doing so, we obey the scriptures. And because we obey the scriptures, then God grants us what we need according to his will. Some strongholds are described for what they are and what they do. And others, he tells us where they come from. He tells us the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And then in Revelation chapter 2, verse 15. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. God exposes the hidden things. He does this so that we make a decision at that point and at that time. No later, but now. Now, as for the Nicolaitans, I didn't go into detail about that, but I think most of us, if we read the scriptures, we know that they were, um, the Nicolaitans were some, it was a certain doctrine that was preached and it was taught and it was, it was taken in as Judaism, Christianity, and anything else, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, anything else that existed, which is what we see a lot uh, going on today where you see the sticker with all the different faiths and God is the God of faith. There's only one faith. There's only one God. There's only one baptism. And so, and that's what we believe. But in this particular thing, God is pointing out, this is what I hate. I don't like this. So I'm just kind of pointing out hate at the beginning. I've always believed that it's important also to know where certain certain things come from, especially when they are questionable. Interestingly enough, so does God. I've said this, uh, and I think perhaps some of us have also uh, done this as well. I'm just repeating it because it's what was taught to me by my parents. And those are, <clears throat> I believe those are lessons that are taught to us and we learn them. As a young man growing up, I remember uh, if anybody ever went out on their own, there were things that our parents did for us, but there were also things that our par- parents did for us to protect us. For instance, if somebody was trying to sell me something, it was... The, the, the two questions, first of all, where did it come from and is it stolen? Those were the two. And I only, and I, I share that because in my own house, when I, where we lived, uh, we had neighbors and, uh, and they stole from us. But I didn't know until years later, it didn't matter. You know, I didn't let it face because they were my friends anyway. I said, you know, you can have it. I didn't care. But the point of it is that some things are, it's good to be aware where they come from. I believe it's important to, you know, to help our children develop as well as best as possible, but not stressing them to the point that they, they fail. And again, this is part of uh, our kids. We want them to grow up. We want them, and as my parents wanted me to grow up, they wanted me to grow up in a healthy environment. The Bible says there is a time to plant, there is a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to break down, and a time to build up. Not everything in excess is better, but well-concentrated portion is nurturing. God's written word on, wis- of, on wisdom is not all taken in all in one sitting, at least not for me when I read it. Some things just were, were kind of put me in a tailspin. It, it was hard for me to grasp certain scriptures, but again, over time, the more I read God's word, I began to understand because God, God will begin to give you what you ask for. And I'm just going to share a little story. My son, uh, Armand, this is a very good example. He was, he, I was talking out and I was just talking about the wonderful things that God makes and because I know I was going to talk about this and so forth and the small things that God has made in his time and how they function 
And God, and I'm sorry, not God, Armand decided just to kind of speak out. He says, he starts talking about a parasite. And I'm thinking, wow, I wasn't thinking about parasites right now, but okay. So I went along with it, and, he, and uh, he's like, yeah, Dad. He says, can you imagine how small? And I started to imagine this small thing that we can't even see with our eyes. And he says, Dad, there's organelles in there, which means there's small organs that make them function. Our God is so detailed and technical that he makes sure that even the parasite is going to live where it's going to live. That's the kind of God that we live. So I was moved by that. And, um, and again, I, like I said, it just blew my mind. And, and God, it, it's good to know that God's handiwork functions no matter how he does it, when he does it, and where he does it. And then I wondered a little bit more with, uh, because we're talking about time and wisdom. I mentioned wisdom early, earlier. I thought, one, I, I started to wonder what else does Armand know that I don't know that he does know. And so I'm thinking, so, you know, so it's, it's important to spend time, and, and God gives us wisdom to, to be able to, you know, say, and I said, I say, he, he said the time, and it's us for it to take that and separate it and make time for our kids, make time for friends, make time for family, make, we make time to eat, right? So if we make time for that, I believe it's, it's not, it's not hard for us to do to make time for our kids. Praise the Lord. Uh, as I was studying for this week, uh, again, uh, the, I started to reflect on other things. If they know what, if kids know what love is, then they know also know what the opposite of that is, and it's hate. And God began to minister to me. Hate came in the time of Cain and Abel, and I'm not in, uh, at least saying that it wasn't there before. I'm, it was. It was there way before, and I, I could go into more detail, but I'm not going to do that. It was in the fruit of the tree of good and evil that Adam and Eve did eat from, which we know was forbidden by the Lord. And yet, still Satan, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren, persuaded them to think it was okay to do this. We know that it wasn't because we have read it in Scripture. He was trying to make God out, although, to be a liar. Uh, now, some sometime later, in, and I'm saying later in Scripture, Cain brings his offering uh, as does Abel to God, finds it, God finds Abel's offering more pleasing, not that Cain's offering was, you know, anything. It wasn't rotten. It wasn't withered. It's just not what God wanted. He wasn't pleased by that. He wasn't attracted by that. So God's wisdom, or I say God's word tells us to be wise and pay attention that what God desires and what God wants is what he's attracted to, not the very opposite. Praise the Lord. Cain's offering was anything but rotten, as I said earlier. Genesis 4, 5, it says, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. God noticed this. God, so God had a few words with him. And then later we read that Cain and Abel went out, uh, went out and about. And the Bible says that Cain slew Abel. We know, some of us know, so we've read the scriptures. So Cain was very wroth, angry, countenance fallen, the word definition of hate carries a heavy and weighty load. And to describe in a few simple words, there was just two words that, that felt, I mean, th these are the simplest ways to explain them is iniquity and sin. That's, that's hate. But, but it's also, there's emotion behind it. Some may laugh and, and make fun of it. I think I've joked about this at times, and I'm guilty of it. But uh, maybe I shouldn't consider that it does affect how people see us at times. Uh, the word hate, feel intense or passionate dislike for someone. 
It's detest, dislike greatly, abhor, abominate, despise, toward, to be repelled by, to be revolted by, regard and disgust, not be able to bear or to stand, be able to stomach, find intolerable, shudder at the recoil from the shrink for, or shrink from. These happen to be emotions or actions from the individual that shows hate. And, of course, the, uh, the antonyms is love and like. That was an easy one. And, and seeing this, I remember the scripture where the Bible says that when Cain killed Abel, the Bible says that, and I shared this with a few of you guys, that and I think maybe we've, we remember this, that the Bible says that the Lord said that the ground that has received his, his, his Abel's blood was calling out to God. And when he was calling out to God, God heard that, and he responded. So he goes straight to Cain, where's your brother? God already knew where he was. And since he said what he said, he was being smart about it. Am I my brother's keeper? Okay. God didn't kill him, but he told him what he told him. This ground which received the blood of your brother, will not res- it will not give you forth its strength. And I started to think, there, there's, when there's hate involved, when there's hate involved and we have hate or anybody has hate, there's nothing good that comes from that. And so it makes sense that God would say that soil which you put blood on because you hated, it's not going to give us any fruit. First John chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And going into strongholds. Strongholds. We have... Two types of strongholds, a place that we know is a fortified place where people uh, will usually dwell behind so they don't get, you know, they don't get hit by arrows and and so forth. This is an attack, uh, a wall of protection. But then there's also, there's also strongholds that are, uh, are there that people can put up and it's pretty much a guard that people put up. So, if somebody comes to me who's Muslim and tries to convince me that Muslim is the right way and I'm not going to let that overcome me because I have a stronghold. My stronghold is Jesus Christ. That is my stronghold. So we can make strongholds. And some of the strongholds can be, for in this case, for Cain, it was hate. Uh, sometimes it can be jealousy. These are strongholds that will not allow to bring good things of the Lord. So getting rid of the strongholds will allow the good things of the Lord to come forth. I was mentioned, I've, I, and I've seen this. So continuing to, uh, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Casting down imaginations. And, of course, the reason we do this is because we want God to get to us. The imaginations cannot go forth if we don't throw them down because, again, the stronghold is there. The, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and, bringeth, and bring into captivity every thought of the obedience of Christ, to the obedience of Christ, I'm sorry. And having in a readiness to revenge 
all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, again, this is I it's referring to repentance. Turn around. Don't go the other. Don't go the other. Don't go. Don't go the wrong way. Come back this way. Do not that not that your good is going to overcome the evil that you've done. But when you repent, it's good that you're doing that, and you're doing away with that which was, uh, again, a stronghold. So Paul is saying that if you end your wrongdoing of disobedience, your obedience for the God or God's will will overcome it. The Bible talks to us about the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. God's wisdom helps us to choose right from wrong. It shows us more than we know and understand at times. I think some of you would know, uh, and I think you know what I'm talking about. It's when we sit there, and uh, if you're reading the Word of God, and you're, you just come across the Scripture. For instance, I came across this one, and he says he gives us eternity. And I'm thinking, what a big word, and it's just one word, and it's powerful in its meaning, and it, and it, and it rocked my world. Uh, praise God. It rocked my world. And that we sit there for a second, we start to, we don't want to move. We want to just absorb that. That's what you call the aha moment. And you can't help it but just to stay there. Sister Khan was, uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, uh, she spoke to me, and she was excited about <laughs> hearing, you know, about, uh, about uh, wisdom. And I'm, I'm also excited about, I mean, my, we are, we're all talking about wisdom. We're all excited. Well, God's wisdom, it's, it's, it's good to talk about the wisdom of God. And I think, you know, we, when we res respond in like manner, we know that there's something good that comes forth from that because it's a godly thing. It is a godly thing. So anyhow, I go home and I begin to think about what in the world I'm going to tell all these people. And again, I'm looking at all ages. We got 13 and we got, you know, whatever. I'm not going to ask anybody's age. I'm going to leave it at that. And, and God reminded me. He started to, to speak to me. And, and Pastor hit on some of these things. And he says, God reminded me of David. He reminded me of Samuel and Jeremiah. All these were young. And then the Bible speaks of elders. God also used elders. They were wise elders there. And then the, God, and the Lord starts to remind me, hey, but you know, I was also there. And Jesus was 33 years old. So he filled everything in between. And all of a sudden, I started to feel a little bit more confident. I said, all right, Lord, I think I can get up and say something. And I said, but if I stumble, you're going to have to help me get out of it. But God is good. God is good. We have the Lord Jesus, 33 years of age. He preached the gospel and was crucified for our sins at the cross. Jesus was on the cross at Golgotha, and he died there but resurrected three days later while in a tomb. The Bible describes that he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, I know that the, the, Bible, the, the earth doesn't really have a heart, but I think we get the general idea that he was buried, not just as a burial, just any burial, but this type of burial was of rock. Uh, a fleshly body that was, and it caught me, it just intrigued me to, to know this, that God is the rock. Jesus is the rock. And we'll find in the New Testament, what it call, Paul calls him the rock. And this rock that he was in, it only had one doorway, one, one way in and one way out. And, of course, we know about salvation. There's only one way to salvation, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is his way and not our way. But before he went to the grave, before he taught them to pray, the account in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It is found in all three Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke. John doesn't have it. I didn't find it. 
And it may be worded differently. That could be why. These men love Jesus, and, I, and I'm certain that they wept when the Lord Jesus was, you know, uh, was crucified, but they walked with him. The fullness of time had come, and, and the, it was time for him to go. The timing of all that was prophesied and expected to happen for that time of visitation. Let us not, vis, let, let us not vi, miss, I'm sorry, our time of visitation. One plants and another waters, but only God gives the increase. In God's timing, our preparation is crucial to the body and to the new converts that come in our church. Our loyalty to stay faithful and abide in God's word as some of us, uh, as they see, see us grow spiritually, we get to see also our children and our friends grow along with us. All in God's timing, we say, we all may, I remind you that we are, have been bought by a price and we are in his timing. Therefore, you are officially accounted in. I'm counting you in. Small story here. He dragged himself out of the bed. The man dragged himself out of the bed, out of the dawn, grabbed his gloves and pails, and, and he headed to work. A kind neighbor had seen his plight and allowed him to earn some much-needed money in a blackberry patch after being laid off from a solid-paying job in the coal mines. The early awakening required him to override a body, a body clock that was used to working shift, uh, second shift. Only a few months earlier, he had been going to bed closer to the time he now awoke to drive his destination. He parked the car and began to that long walk to the blackberry patch, careful to watch out for the snakes and, and other varmints that might impede or totally derail his progress. He breathed in the dew, riding on the morning air, knowing that the heat and humidity humidity, would soon make the day unbearable. In the small amount of daylight, he weaved his way around each branch, gathering handfuls of tasty berries while attempting to avoid the treacherous thorns that tried to, f to latch onto his fingers. The work was difficult, but the rewards were great. Blackberry cobbler, blackberry jam, and maybe even a little bit of money to help the family out. Kind of relate to that. I was a farm worker. <laughs> and it says, picking the blackberries served as a metaphor for his life. He had tasted the sweetness of life had to be, and that life had to offer. He had a good wife and two young children. But the thorns of being laid off hurt. They hurt his pride. He was used to working while he appreciated those who helped his family by providing food, clothes, and a love and, and love offering. He wanted to make it on his own. As he picked and picked some more, he wondered what future held for his family. His thoughts offered many possibilities, but not no clear answers. Thankfully, his task helped him to feel better because he was doing something positive. Eventually, the son did make the process unbearable, and he gathered his bounty to return to the car. As he walked, he felt the Lord telling him to patiently trust in his timing. The present seemed bleak, and the future, oops, sorry about that, the future seemed uncertain. But just as God sent these blackberries at his particular season in his, in his life, he would send other blessings. The family would weather the storm of joblessness. They would remain faithful to God, not only paying the tithe.
on the on the meager earnings from the blackberries, but also using some of the money he sent the kids to church camp. The decision would yield a great harvest in the future. As the oldest son accepted the call of accepted the call of God to ministry. Later one of his granddaughters did as well. Faithfulness in the tough times yielded a great reward in the future. The man was thankful he had trusted in God's timing even when it did not make sense. Because they crucified their flesh and trusted in God's timing, the Almighty did a wonderful work in their lives. If you would stand to your feet, there is a time for everything and there is a time for everyone. God moves as he pleases and, and what he does, I don't think, I don't believe that he does to hurt us when we are living according to his word and his way. We know that it is to strengthen us and prepares to that next step that we need to move into. And whatever that is, I hope that you're ready for it. I pray that you're ready for it. I'm going to pray for you to be ready for it. I'm going to pray to be ready for all of us. And if you pray for me, and we pray for each other, there's going to be success. We come together as a body. You guys sing with us, giving God's praise. To worship you, I live. To worship you. Should you I live to
worship you. I live, I live to worship you. some praise. He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all honor. He is good, and I know he is in the midst of this place. He is here doing healing. He is bringing a word to us, and he's also going to lift you up. Oh, he won't let you, he won't let you stay down. Though you're broken, he's going to give you strength. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He is worthy of all praise and glory and of all honor. If I can leave with with something, the message, wait on wisdom. It's God. Wait on wisdom. God bless you. I hope this message brought something to your hearts. I know it did to me. hope if you're watching in the media, touch your heart as well and that you come to know the Lord and hope to see you soon. We're going into prayer. God bless you all in Jesus' name.